All right. Well, at this point, we can dismiss the children with the blessing of the Lord upon them for Children's Church. Have a great time. Draw close to Jesus. Blessing of the Lord be upon you. All right. Before I continue, just a little housekeeping note. If you could help me. Uh, Thursday morning when, uh, when Sue, our church secretary, came in, there were three exterior doors unlocked. And so the only door that really should be used is that door. And so even the signs with the the doors with the signs on it says, do not use, two of those were unlocked. So if you could help us out and not open those doors, I would appreciate it. The, the one in the kitchen was actually wide open when Sue came in uh, Saturday morning, so, or uh, on Thursday morning. So could you help us out and not use those doors? It would be uh, very much appreciated. So. Yeah. She wasn't here, but wasn't even here. Okay, we can't blame her. <laughs> and then the uh, the uh, fundraiser for Minnesota Youth Convention uh, is right after church today. So it's going to be a good uh, good time of food and fellowship. Well, Lord, we turn to your word now. Lord, we, we've worshipped you in song, we've begun to direct our thoughts, our attentions, our, our praises to you, and we continue in that atmosphere of worship as we look into your word now. Pray that you would speak to our hearts, uh, reveal more of yourself to us, that we could draw closer to you once we get a better glimpse of who you are and what you mean to us. So bless these next moments together, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, last week I gave uh, an introduction to what will be a few week long uh, series on the I Am passages of, of John's Gospel. I, <clears throat> I started off with uh, uh, John chapter 8 and just a portion of that. I'll read this morning just to kind of set the, the pace here. John chapter 8, verse, beginning at verse 56. Now Jesus is in a discussion with Pharisees and probably others that are standing around there. And he gets to this point in this discussion, this conversation, where he says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So this discussion was going on uh, about their, their heritage, uh, 
they were claiming that they were descendants of Abraham, which they were, and that God was their father, which they, he wasn't, because uh, Jesus says, uh, if, if God was your father, you wouldn't be out to kill me. Uh, you're of your father, the devil. Whoa, that kind of changes the direction of things here. That uh, they're, they're thinking, because I'm a descendant of Abraham, God is my father. And Jesus is saying, you may be a descendant of Abraham in the physical, but in the spiritual realm, your, your father is actually the devil. Otherwise, you wouldn't be out to kill me. And you'd believe me, and you'd, uh, you, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. And so... He gets to this certain point. He directs the discussion to this statement that he makes in verse 58 where he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And this so, so angered the people. This whole discussion, they, they, were, they were told, uh, you're of the devil, and things are pretty mellow yet. But once Jesus made the claim that before Abraham was, I am, that was it. That was the last straw. They took up stones to stone Jesus. And the reason it so angered them was by this statement, Jesus is not only claiming to be greater than Abraham, but he was in fact declaring his eternal existence. He is using the phrase before Abraham was, I am, in the same way that uh, God spoke to Moses there in Exodus chapter 3. When Moses was sent by God to deliver the people of Israel from their bondage in Egypt, Moses asked, who should I say sent me? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, tell them I am am has sent you. So when Jesus said before Abraham was I am, they would have understood him to be claiming that he was the same one who appeared to Moses in the burning bush, the same one who sent Moses to deliver the Israelites from Egypt, the same one who is without beginning and without end. He wasn't just another teacher to appear on the scene. He was asserting his divinity and his eternal existence, which only God possesses. And this is why they were so outraged and sought to stone him. Now, John's gospel gives us the clearest picture of the deity of Christ in the gospels. Uh, when Jesus, no, let's see here. Uh, so because of that, because the divinity of Jesus is so much declared in John's gospel. That is why I recommend John's gospel to, to new believers or those who are not familiar with the Bible to read John's gospel first. Read John's gospel first because that gives you a picture that Jesus just isn't another guy. He is God among men. Uh, John's gospel opens with, with these words. The first three verses of John's gospel, in the beginning was the word. The word there is logos. He is the logos, the eternal word of God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And down to verse 14, And the word, the logos, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. According to John's gospel in these opening verses, Jesus is the one that created all things. And so we start with John's gospel when we're introducing. You don't say, okay, I think you should read the book of Leviticus first. You know, that'll really bless your heart. No, I don't even bless my heart. Start them in John's gospel so they can get a, a clear picture of who Jesus really is. And as we look at these I am passages in John's gospel, may we get a clearer picture of who Jesus is and a clearer understanding of how we should respond to him who is the great I am. So we're going to look at two of the I am passages today and in the upcoming weeks we're going to look at, uh, I think there's five more passages in, in John's gospel that we'll be looking at over the next three weeks, I believe it is. We'll see how it breaks down. But we jump down to John chapter 10. And in the first, the first 10 verses... Uh, reads like this. Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he brings them out, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to him again, to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door. I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Here Jesus is claiming to be the door of the sheep. The door of the sheep. We, of course, are the sheep. We're the sheep. Can you say, bah? <laughs> uh -huh. There you go. Okay, that's a different accent on that sheep. Uh, 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 he is the door, he's not a door. He is the door of the sheep, not merely a door. There is no other door. There is no back door, there is no side door, there is no window, there is no skylight, there is no chimney, there is no vent to get in except through the door. And Jesus says, I am the door. If we don't enter through Jesus, we don't get in. If he is the door, 
If we don't go through the door, we don't get in. As he said in John 14, verse 6, which we'll look at probably next week, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's one way. One way in, and that one way is Jesus. There's one door, and that door is Jesus. Ephesians 2.18, Paul says, For through him, Jesus... We both, Jew and Gentile, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. It's by him. It's by Jesus we have access to the Father. Not through any other name, not through any way, not through any other direction, not through any other routine. It is through him that we have access to the Father. Now, what is the door of the sheepfold? If you can kind of imagine uh, maybe a corner, you're out, you're tending your sheep, and there's maybe a a rock or shrubbery, tall shrubbery, brushy type wall around, and and there's a, a small passage into this area. And that, that wall around would give kind of a protection. It would be, be shelter for them from, from harsh winds or even from, uh, from thieves and robbers. But then there'd be this, this small doorway, and the sheep would go into this protected area through this little doorway. If they don't go in through the doorway, they don't get into this protected area. So this this large rock-walled pen that might have been topped with uh, prickly thorny brush, uh, thorny branches, be a small opening. And in the evening, the shepherd would bring them into this, this, uh, this sheepfold after a day of grazing. He would inspect them, and if they'd been maybe injured, if they had received some cuts as they're out there in the rocky area, in the brushy area, maybe they would have cuts. He would, he would tend to those cuts. He'd, he'd clean the wound. He would, he would uh, pour oil in to promote a, a more rapid healing. But as they're going in, he would, he would inspect the sheep just to make sure they're doing well. Nothing, and then once they're, once they're in there, then the shepherd would lay in the doorway. Nothing gets in, nothing gets out unless they go through the shepherd, who is not only the door, but also the shepherd guarding the door. And this is what Jesus is talking about. Nothing got in or out unless they went through the shepherd. He was literally the door of the sheepfold. You know, I, you know it's a metaphor. I mean, we, we think of a door. We think of a door. We think of this. We think of a door. Jesus isn't talking about a door. He's talking about a door. 
And Jesus says, I am the door or the doorway. I'm the doorway. You got to go through the doorway. You don't go through the door. You don't get through the door. You get through the doorway. Jesus is the doorway. You want to get in? You go through the doorway. You want to get into the sheepfold? You go through the doorway. The doorway is Jesus. He is literally the doorway into the sheepfold. It's figurative language, but yet when you think about it, it's still, it's still literal. If we think of him as a passageway into the sheepfold. And so... This is what Jesus is talking about, and this picture of the sheepfold would have been in the people's mind. They were very familiar. They, uh, Jesus is talking to a people that were an agricultural and pastoral, and by pastoral I mean shepherd and sheep type of, of uh, society. So they could picture a sheepfold. They could picture... A shepherd laying there in front of the doorway. It's very familiar with them because wherever they go, they would see something like this in just their normal daily routine. They would see the sheepfold, the shepherds. They would be very familiar with that. And now Jesus is saying that, okay, that illustration that you have of the sheep and the shepherd and the sheepfold, that's me. I am the doorway. I am the door of the sheepfold. You know, it says in verse 6 that Jesus used the illustration, but they didn't quite understand the things that he spoke to them. Although they understood what a sheepfold was and the doorway was, they weren't, it wasn't clicking how it applies here. Okay, I see your illustration, but how does it apply? How does it apply? And so Jesus says, in the next verse, most assuredly, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door. I am the doorway of the sheepfold. Now, when we think of a sheepfold, for us, what is the sheepfold for us? The sheepfold for us is the church, and by church I mean the universal church, the body of Christ. Uh, we could think of it as the family of God or the kingdom of God. That is the sheepfold. And to get into that sheepfold, we go through Jesus. Into the kingdom, into the family of God. He is the entrance into the, the kingdom of God. So whether sheep or under-shepherd, the pastors that, that the Lord has throughout his universal church, so whether sheep or shepherd, under-shepherd, we must all enter through the door. To try to enter the sheepfold any other way would classify that person as a thief and a robber. So as, as the shepherd is laying in, in the doorway here, nothing goes in or out, if someone were to try to climb over to get to the sheep in any other way, Jesus says, that's either a thief or a robber. If you try to get in any other way, that person is a thief or a robber. So Jesus makes the very bold statement, I am 
the door. If we don't enter through him, we don't enter at all. Then we come to verse 10. where it says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now you've often heard the first part of this verse in reference to the devil. The thief does not come to steal, kill, but to, but to steal, kill, and destroy. And we, we see that used of the devil. But Jesus isn't talking about the devil. The thief here is not the devil, although it can be applied to him because uh, it's, it's his nature, it is the devil's nature to kill and to steal and to destroy. But Jesus isn't talking about the devil in the context of this passage. He's talking about false teachers. The false teachers of the day, maybe even the ones that were in his audience, standing around listening to him give this teaching, this illustration of the sheep and the sheepfold and the shepherds. Maybe Jesus is kind of in their face saying, they're the thief. They're not teaching the truth of God's kingdom. Those who present another way other than Jesus into the sheepfold. We see from the last verse of chapter 7, before we, uh, before we, uh, nope. Where are we at here? Yeah, the last, uh, the last couple of verses of chapter 9, and remember there weren't, Originally, chapter divisions, the, the writers of the scripture, they didn't write in chapter, they, uh, they, uh, they just wrote. And then the chapter and verse divisions came later. So it, verse, verse 40 of the previous chapter says, Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? And then Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. Then the next verse, he goes into this teaching about the sheepfold and the shepherds. So he is talking to Pharisees. There are Pharisees all around. And maybe he's saying, the thief doesn't come but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So Jesus is talking about false teachers, the ones who would present any other way into the sheepfold other than uh, through the doorway, who is Jesus himself. Jesus is about life. Jesus isn't about killing, stealing, and destroying. He's about life. He is about abundant life. I am come that you might have life more abundantly. That's what Jesus is about. That's what Jesus wants for you. Jesus wants for you to have the abundant life. And there's no other way to that life but the one who said, I am the door. And because we are in the sheepfold of the one who just claimed to be the one offering abundant life, we should also be about life. The words that we instill into people should be words of life. They should be life-giving words. 
Jesus wants to pass that abundant life that he has on to others, and he does it very often through us. Now, his spirit, of course, the Holy Spirit will, uh, will create life in us and, and move that life to grow. But so often, he calls upon his church to be people of life. Speak life into people. Speak words that are going to lift up, not words that are going to tear down. Speak words that are going to be giving, not, not words that are going to be taking. Speak words of light, not words of darkness. If we're going to be people of the kingdom, we need to represent the kingdom well. And his kingdom is a kingdom of life. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Even for us who are already experiencing the abundant life, he has more abundant life for each and every one of us. I think we, uh, we very often live beneath the level of life that God would have for us. God has so much more. God wants to raise you up. God wants to lift you up. God wants to, to give you the abundant life, not just life, but abundant life. Eternal and abundant. It begins now. The abundant life begins here and now, not just later after we're dead and gone and our spirit goes to heaven. Heaven starts today. Heaven starts today for those who know and love and follow Jesus. So Jesus is the door into that sheepfold. Jesus is the door into that place of life and protection. Now the second I Am passage that we're going to look at today flows out of that and, is, and somewhat overlaps the one we just looked at, him being the door. And that is in the same context as this. It just the next, picks up with the next verse there in verse 11. Jesus' declaration that he is not just the door of the sheep, but he is the good shepherd. John 10, beginning at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he who is a hireling or a hired hand... And not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The, the hireling flees because he is a hireling. He doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. The other sheep I have, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. 
This is the command that I've received from my Father. So as I said, first century Israel was first and foremost an agricultural and pastoral society. And the people are now familiar with sheep and shepherds. Jesus took common everyday thing, common everyday picture, and he applied it to the life of faith. So, in addition to this everyday picture that the people would have been familiar with, another picture that they would have been very familiar with was the teaching of the scripture that says God is the shepherd of Israel. We see this in, throughout the Psalms. We see this in a number of the prophets. Uh, just, just a few of these to kind of set the picture here. Psalm 80, verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. So this psalm is addressed to God as being the shepherd of Israel. Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7. The call goes out, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his, of his hand. Again, picture of we are sheep and he is our shepherds. Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And then, of course, Psalm 23, known as the shepherd's psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I shall not lack anything because the Lord is my shepherd. The prophet Ezekiel said in chapter 34, verse 31, uh, this is the, the voice of God speaking here. You are my flock, the flock of my pasture. You are men and I am God, says the Lord God. So this is the Lord declaring, you are my flock. You are, you are my flock. I, I am your shepherd. Isaiah 40, verse 11, he will feed his flock, his people, like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. In Jeremiah 31, 10, hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the isles afar off and say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. So this would have been a very clear understanding to Jesus' audience. They knew that God was the shepherd of Israel. They would address him as the shepherd of Israel. They would see God as having his hand upon them as a, as a shepherd would have his hands on his, his sheep and his lambs. Now here, Jesus comes making the very bold statement, I am the good shepherd. God is the shepherd of Israel. I am the good shepherd. He wasn't pointing people to the good shepherd. He was claiming to be the good shepherd. 
a statement to say that I am the good shepherd, a statement so bold that if it is not true, it is blasphemy in that Jesus is claiming to be the shepherd that Yahweh in the Old Testament declared to be in the Old Testament. But if it's true that Jesus is the good shepherd, equating himself with the shepherd of Israel, that changes everything. That changes everything. He spoke of knowing his sheep and his sheep knowing him. He spoke of laying down his life for his sheep. That shows dedication on the part of the shepherd to be willing to lay down his life for the sheep. It shows his commitment to his sheep. You know, we are committed to Jesus, but Jesus is committed to us as well. And Jesus was willing to give his life, which he did. He gave his life. But the great thing is he said that I lay it down. Nobody's going to take my life from me. I will freely, willingly lay it down. But I will also raise it up. I can raise it, I can lay it down and I can raise it up. This command I've received from my Father here in verse 18. So Jesus in this passage gives a glimpse into his death and resurrection when he says that there in verses 17 and 18. Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me but I lay down my Lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. In his death, in his death, the shepherd became the sacrificial lamb. The shepherd of Israel became the sacrificial lamb for all mankind. Sacrificial lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus in his resurrection proved beyond any argument that all his claims were true, that he is the I am, the only door, the good shepherd and the only savior of the world. And we're going we're gonna to see more about the, the resurrection where Jesus claimed to be I am, the resurrection and the life. We'll see that in, in an upcoming week, maybe next week. You see, the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus nullifies any arguments against Christianity. People don't like Christianity. Every argument is silenced by the resurrection of Jesus. Because Jesus rose, that confirms the Christian faith. Had Jesus not risen, Christianity would be just another in a long line of world religions. But the resurrection separates Christianity from all other religions of the world. Now, have you entered in to the sheepfold? Have you entered in to that doorway? Have you come through Jesus so that you can have access to God the Father? Are you trying to get in some other way? There is no other way. 
Are you trying to get in by being good enough? Being moral enough by uh, treating people kindly? And all these things are good. And all these things are necessary. And all these things are expected. But it won't get you into heaven. The way into heaven is through Jesus. The only door. Our works, good works, are not the door. Treating people kindly isn't the door. Being moral and upright isn't the door. Jesus is the door. You're trying to get in any other way, you're a thief and a robber, according to Jesus. So I encourage you to enter in through the door. Enter in through Jesus, who is the good shepherd, who is the door of the sheep, the one who gives access into the family of God, into the presence of the Father. Let's pray. Lord, I do pray that if there be any here that really hasn't entered in through you, the door, into the family of God, into the kingdom of God, into to the presence of the Father, I pray, Lord, that you would move on hearts, that you would speak to people, that in their hearts you would begin to stir up faith and the recognition that, yeah, I need Jesus. I want to get into that sheepfold. I want to come into the presence of the Father. I want the abundant life that's offered. But I haven't come through Jesus yet. I pray that you'd speak to these hearts. Move upon these hearts, Lord. Bring a conviction that draws them to yourself. Maybe you're here today and says, yeah, that's, that's me. I, I, I haven't come through Jesus yet. But I want to do that now. I want to come through Jesus. I want to be part of that flock of God. I want that protection that comes being in the sheepfold. If that's you today, just like have you slip up a hand so I can pray for you specifically in closing. Yes, I need Jesus. I want to come through Jesus today. I trust that all have done that. You can, you can do that in your heart right where you're at, but let God draw you to himself. Let that abundant life that he offers you be, be yours. May you get a hold of that abundant life in Jesus and live it and live it and live it and see that abundant life just... Uh, as Jesus spoke about, you know, the, whole, the Holy Spirit being in you is like a spring of water just welling up and overflowing. Yes. That's the kind of life yes. that God has for us Hallelujah. through Jesus, only through Jesus. And so we, it is our prayer that you would all put your faith in Jesus. 
that you would all experience the abundant and eternal life. It's really the only way to go. It's the only way to go. So with that, I close with, this will be by way of benediction from Hebrews chapter 13 that says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Amen.